that we hope you bring into your week of faith discussion. So we're each going to take some time to highlight uh, one point from the gospel reading from this past Sunday, uh, Sunday, February 17th. Yes. And um, and then we'll... Uh, that's pretty much what we do. <laughs> And that's uh, <laughs> That's the entire show. <laughs> You're correct. Thank you, David, for that accurate synopsis. So Jack is going to read Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Faith to Go podcast, your one-stop shop for everything you need to have faith discussion throughout your week with your friends and with your family. My name is David Tremaine, and I'm the director of Faith Formation here at St. Paul's Cathedral in San Diego. And I'm Maya Little Sonia, and I'm the youth minister. I'm Jackie Pippin, and I'm the Digital Resource Curator. And we are back with uh, this week's episode of the Faith to Go podcast. <laughs> Everyone is sick on the show. Everyone. Um, I hope you don't get sick listening to this. <laughs> Maya's got a cough. I I've do. had a cold for the last week. Jackie's just buried under a feet of snow, I'm assuming. <laughs> so she's coughing, too. Um, so disregard any coughing sounds you hear in the background. So like every week, the Faith to Go resources that you can find at www.myfaithtogo.org are based on this week's gospel, which is from Luke chapter 6, verses 17 to 26. And if you have any questions or comments or stories from your week of faith discussions this week that you want to send to us, you can email those to us at faithtogo at stpaulcathedral.org, and we will answer any of your questions that may come up this week or that you have about something that we might say today, uh, or share any of your stories or comments about your week of faith discussion on the next week's podcast. So uh, we're about to get into our discussion where we'll each highlight one point from the gospel, and Jackie will read Luke 6, 17-26, and then we'll get into our discussion. He came down with them and stood on a level place, with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all of Judea, Jerusalem, and the coast of Tyre and Sidon. They had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases, and those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And all in the crowd were trying to touch him, for power came out from him and healed all of them. Then he looked up at his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when you, people hate you, and when they exclude you, revile you, and defame you on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for surely your reward is great in heaven. For that is what their ancestors did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for that is what their ancestors did to the false prophets." Okay, so we are a couple chapters after the last gospel uh, we talked about last week. So last week we heard about uh, from chap from the beginning of chapter five. So it was Simon Peter um, being called by Jesus, being called out to bring his boat out into the deep 
waters and to throw his nets overboard. That was from the beginning of chapter 5. This is from the middle of chapter 6. So we've skipped a couple of stories, the calling of some more disciples, questions about fasting, questions about the Sabbath, questions about uh, Jesus being questioned by some of the Jewish leaders about different practices he's, he's doing with his apostles. And now this story comes after Jesus has chosen his final 12 apostles. So right before Jesus steps down onto this, this level place uh, to do this teaching, he has chosen his 12 apostles, uh, Simon, Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, and Simon, who was also called the Zealot, and Judas, Judas Iscariot. So, um, this story might sound familiar because it sounds a lot like its gospel parallel in the book, in the Gospel of Matthew, commonly referred to the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus says a lot of similar things, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the meek, blessed are the uh, hungry, for they will be filled, those kinds of things. Those were all from... That's the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew, where Jesus goes up on a mountain and, and, and preaches and teaches. Uh, this is commonly referred to as the Sermon on the Plain, because as it said in the beginning, Jesus came down and then on a level place did this teaching. And there's some significant differences between the Sermon on the Mount, those Beatitudes, as they're called in Matthew, and, and these blesses, blessings and woes, because there are no woes in, in Matthew's version. So we'll get into that later, um, but that is the context of this. This is like the first teaching that Jesus is doing after calling his 12 disciples. So he's got his, his 12, and now they are learning from him and going out and doing his ministry with him. So Jackie has the first point for this week's gospel. My point actually comes from the first verse. He came down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all of Judea. And with this, you know, in this podcast, we talk a lot about what we are called to do out in the world and how we're called to interact with people and how we bring the good news out into the world. And I think that this is really a clear example of how we're supposed to do that. Um, he came down with them and stood on a level place. That notion of, A, like being firm in our foundation and our beliefs so that we have a level place to stand on, but also to be with the people and to be in community with those people and not talking down to them uh, is such an important element in being community and teaching and being a part of a journey with other people. And I think that this Bible story really exemplifies that notion of community. Yeah, and that also makes me think of um, that whole, this whole thing is so much about the equalizing force of God moving in the world, the equalizing force of the gospel and the equalizing force of the kingdom of God. And um, that kind of, so yeah, so it is about, it's about us, it's about each one of us individually, like you're saying, like recognizing our equality and like recognizing that we are on a level 
field with other people, not necessarily not paying attention to the real like social mm-hmm. and systemic issues of inequality, but right. on like a on like a level of humanity that we are all that no one of us stands up on the mountain and teaches other people like we're like that we are all standing on a level playing field and even Jesus in his wisdom is teaching on this level place um, and that we can like do the, our work in the world and move about the world, you know, in, with that mindset of recognizing Jesus in all people and recognizing our equality with all people. Um, but also to recognize that part of the, that part of bringing about the kingdom of God is bringing about this radical equality and equity amongst people and in the real place and real, real lived experience of the world. Um, Well, right. Yeah. And so like that notion of acknowledging like those social inequalities that exist and, and choosing to not give into them when, when we are building community, when we're talking about Christ, when we are seeking to do that work in the world, helps to break down those societal barriers. Mm-hmm. You know, when we are aware of those and those impact how we choose to live our life can can be powerful in breaking those down. Mm-hmm. That kind of gets into what I wanted to highlight here. And I, I was really struck by <coughs> the difference here between, uh, like we, I said before, Matthew's version of this and Luke's. And... Matthew is Matthew was very concerned about kind of like creating creating kind of like this um like pseudo this like it Matthew's gospel is like very Jewish in its construction and in its and in its uh I think desired audience and in the way that that things are presented and events are presented so like yeah, so like, like even from the beginning in, in Matthew's gospel, um, Jesus and the Holy Family like go into Egypt, and then they have to go out of Egypt. So there's these like parallels with Moses and the Hebrew people in in the exile or in the, in Exodus, and he like you can kind of like split it up into five books, Matthew's gospel, kind of like the. Pentateuch, the the first five books of the Bible, commonly referred to as the Torah, and even that, in even that, like the way that Jesus teaches in Matthew's Gospel is you've heard you've you've heard it said this, I say this. It's not like a it's not like a changing of the law, but like an, a calling back to the original intention of like Jewish laws and things like that. So like, but anyway, Luke is very concerned with the like radical nature of Jesus's message in a different and presents it in a very stark way and it's clear in the way he presents it here and the way that the writer of Luke changes or we can assume that like Luke and Matthew were most likely uh, pulling from similar strands of the traditions about Jesus when they were writing their Gospels, so that they probably knew about the Gospel of Mark and then some other source material that they had in common. 
because a lot of their stories are very similar. But there's, it's important to pay attention when there are differences like this. So like Matthew is all these nine statements, blessed are these people, blessed are these people, blessed are these people, blessed are these people. Um, but what Luke does is he just takes four of these things, blessed are the poor, blessed are the hungry, blessed are those who weep or the, those who mourn, and blessed are people, blessed are you when people hate you. And then does the exact mirror of those things and says, woe to you who are the opposite of those things, rich, who are full, who are laughing, and who are doing like that, that persecuting. Well, when people, that, not even that, it's like, woe to you when people speak well of you, which means you must not be doing something right. <laughs> so, um, so, so I think Luke in the way that he presents this story is really driving home not just what Matthew is saying through Jesus, which is that blessed are these people who we usually would think of as, you know, not blessed. Blessed are the poor in spirit. And because, like, there is some sort of eternal inheritance that they have that that we can't see. And so, like, that that there will be like a, there will be like, they, those, that, the people who Jesus is talking about in the Beatitudes in Matthew will be brought up. But in Luke, the gospel, the writer of Luke is not only making clear that those who are um, poor will be, will inherit the kingdom of God, and those who are hungry will be filled, and those who are weeping now will laugh and be brought up. But those who are high will be brought down. And he does it all on this level plane. So it's like everything that Luke is saying isn't just, don't worry, like, isn't just that, like, the, the lowly will be brought up, but that the, the mighty will be brought down. He does that talking with, he does that with Mary in the Magnificat. You have, like, brought up your lowly servant, and those who are high will be brought down. Um, he he does it later in the Gospels with the story of the rich man and Lazarus, which is almost like a a parable version of this teaching, which is this like poor, 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 the poorest of the poor Lazarus standing outside this richest of the rich man's gate and not getting any attention from the rich man. He just walks by him every day. And then they both die, and and the rich man finds himself in hell pretty much, and this huge chasm, and then heaven, and he can see Lazarus up with Abraham uh, and, and his, all of his ancestors uh, comfortable while he's, like, you know, in the eternal hellfire or whatever. And, whatever. and, like, there's this, like, Jesus is showing this, like, radical turn upside down from the way that everything <laughs> seems to be socially on in on the earth now to like what it will be or like the underlying truth of what's going on at least. So I just, it's interesting that it's interesting that, that Luke, the way Luke changes the story and it's, and it, and it fits with all the rest of the ways he presents this radical nature of the, like the turning on its head of the social order that Jesus is trying to bring into the world not only by saying that the poor will be raised up, but that the rich will be made low and that everyone really will be made equal in the end. Mm. So like, and that that is the vision of the kingdom of God, this like radical equality and radical redistribution of comfort and wealth and, and 
the comforts of the world and like that 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 at that level plane is where everything is coming kind of thing and that's what we're working towards so that also ties into my point um i kind of wanted to build off of what david had said about how jesus flips the power and social dynamics of his time and our time truly and i don't know when he talks about these blessed are the poor and and woe to the rich it it evokes for me um i'm i remember when he talks about you know the last shall be first and the first shall be last and all of that because when in another podcast episode we had discussed that gospel story and we had talked about how it's not necessarily only a like a promise about people being humbled and and the poor being exalted but it is also a recognition of when you are powerful and and rich and mighty your number you are obsessed with maintaining that place in society mm. and you ultimately serve that and serve the need to maintain your status so much so that you end up being the last because you are in you're not free whereas if you're on lowly you know you don't have to obsess over maintaining that like place in society and so for me it kind of i when he talks about woe to you who are rich and who are full and then he follows that up and says like because you will hunger um I think it says something about kind of in a way that all of us hunger and all of us are eventually downtrodden in our experience of life. All of us become poor in spirit. And he's, I think, saying to them, like, it's almost, I feel like, a both a somewhat of a a promise, like we had talked about, like this radical equality and a call to the kingdom of God, but also just, I think, a genuine sort of, I'm sorry, like, that's going to be really upsetting for you, and you're going to be so distressed for when you are hungry, because you're not used to it, or you're not, because everyone will be hung, like, and not, and that goes beyond just being hungry, but there are times where you are going to suffer, and if you're not used to that, that's going to be genuinely miserable, and if you're, and so when you're attached to wealth, and being full, and being comfortable, when you pri- I feel like that is very much a thing in our society where we just want to be comfortable until we die. We prioritize comfort over um, anything else. Then it's kind of like when you are uncomfortable and when you do struggle, it's just going to be exceedingly more hurtful and harmful and rough for you than if you just allowed yourself to be uncomfortable in certain situations in the first place. Mm-hmm. But also that it's so hard to do that. Yeah. Like, it's really hard to be like, oh, like, this this thing is is coming, and it's not going to feel great, and I need to just go with the flow. Like, that is incredibly hard. And, and, and that's okay. It's okay to be apprehensive about those things that are coming, you know, and to feel, and to feel like you're nervous in anticipation of that happening. That is also, you know, okay, as long as you are also open to that process changing you. And so his promise to those who are suffering, I think when he says you will be full and you will laugh, um, I think it, it's, I don't know, it's, it speaks to how like when we're comfortable, we need to be aware that we will be 
that this doesn't last forever, that we will not be full forever, that we will suffer again. So that way it we let go of that attachment and that need to comfort and we just roll with the punches even though it's really difficult. But in, like con- the same is true of when we're struggling um, and when we are really downtrodden that we can do the same thing where we can say, you know, there is a hope, there is a way to go, there's up, there's forward, there is a hope to be full again. So it's kind of like rolling with the punches whether you're in a high pl- good place or a low place in a way. Yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting that <clears throat> these other these like the hungry that the dichotomy between for like the opposite of hungry is filled and the opposite of weeping is <laughs> laughing and then when the and in both cases but the opposite of poor is not rich like it doesn't say blessed are you who are poor for you will be rich like it says blessed are you who are hungry for you will be filled it doesn't say woe to you who are rich for you will be poor no. It says, blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. And mm. woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. So it's almost like there's two things going on. One is like, one is like that there is a deeper truth going on than like physical possessions. That there's a mm. deeper truth to the kingdom of God than who owns the material goods in the world. Absolutely. But also like this truth of like you're saying, change and transformation, that that there is going to be a place, you're not going to be laughing forever. Because like laughing and weeping are necessary partners kind of in life. Mm, like there's right. no being hungry. There's no being filled if you've never been hungry. Mm-hmm. It's like important to be able to go between both. Right, you can't you know? know warmth if you've never been cold. Or you can't appreciate it. Yeah, and so it's like, weeping isn't necessarily bad mm-hmm. because it leads to laughing. Right. But laughing also doesn't last forever. But that's okay because weeping isn't a bad thing. And weeping doesn't last forever. Right. And so, yeah, I think it's, I think it's just interesting that it's, Jesus isn't saying the poor will be made rich, but that the poor already are like rich in a way. They have something, they get something that we don't. Right, that the rich people can't get. Yeah. Yeah. That they will not get until they let go of that consolation. Right. Yes. Yeah. And, like, let that, like, sadness and hunger lead to some, like, deeper recognition of what they're missing out on from comfort mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I think we have three points uh, for this gospel. <coughs> Number one uh, was from Jackie. And that was about Jesus um, stepping down onto the level plane and the recognition that that means that we are all called to recognize our equality uh, amongst each other in ministry and in, in all areas of life. Number two was mine, and it was about the difference between this story in Matthew and Luke and the way that Luke really talks about not only an active way of transformation for those who are like poor and weeping and oppressed being lifted up but those who are rich and full and laughing kind of being made being brought lower and this like radical equalizing of the kingdom of god so then number three was maya's um about the the implication that there is something more that we are called to than power and prosperity and success and comfort 
and that it is in those very human um, times of hungering and weeping that we are brought to that realization and that we are on this you know, endless cycle of being full and being made hungry again and that we continue to be brought to our to that realization of something more in ourselves and in the world through those experiences. So Jackie is going to read the gospel one more time and having heard that discussion, see if you hear anything new this time through. He came down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all of Judea, Jerusalem, and the coast of Tyre and Sidon. They had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases, and those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And all in the crowd were trying to touch him, for power came out from him and healed all of them. Then he looked up at his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when you people hate you. And when they exclude you, revile you, and defame you on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for surely your reward is great in heaven. For that is what their ancestors did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when... All speak well of you, for that is what their ancestors did to the false prophets. Okay, thanks everyone for listening in this week. We'll be back in your feed next week on February 24th. Make sure to go check out all those Faith to Go resources at www.myfaithtogo.org. Send us any questions or comments or stories from your week of faith discussions or reflections to uh, Go at stpaulcathedral.org. Check us out on Instagram at faith to go and make sure to rate and review this podcast for other people who might be interested. So, until next week, we say goodbye. Bye, everyone. Goodbye.